Okay, Parshas Vayigash. We on there, Avi? We're on there. Okay. Parshas Vayigash, and we're going to start on page Ayin. Page Ayin. It's the left side of the page, the second paragraph. Vayigash, a love you Page Ayin. Now, we had seen back when, when Leah named Yehuda that... Uh, paragraph. Oh, right there, yeah. Second one? Yeah, second one, that's it. The Chidush Harim said, made a comment back a little while ago as to why the Jewish people are called Jews, Yehudim, specifically by the name of Yehuda. And there his comment was on the idea of gratitude, Tashem Yisbara. Now he, he does a similar idea, but with a different insight. Ayigashe loved Yehuda, and Yehuda drew near to him. Kol ish Yisroel nikroim Yehudim. All the Jewish people are called Yehudim, Jews, from Yehuda. Al shemodin lahashem Yisbarach, in that we give thanks to Hashem. Al kol davar, on all things, katan v'gadol, no matter how small they are, or how great they are, we give thanks to Hashem. Shayodin shehakomi menu yispora, and we know that it all comes from God. Therefore, va'al yidezeh, as a result of this attitude, yecholin ligash, you can draw near to Hashem. Hmm. So that's how he learns it. Va'yigash a love. How does a person draw near to Hashem? Yehuda, through the the attribute of being able to appreciate every single thing in life, large or small coming from Hashem. Ha'yigash love Yehuda. And again, he says that's the uh, the Mida of a Jew and why we're given that name, Yehuda. Right. Nice thought. Okay. Again, he's, he's drawn the... Uh, for us to be closer and we acknowledge God in everything. Right. Okay. And, it, and it is that acknowledgement that Taka brings us close. Mm-hmm. And appreciation. Okay. So we're going to turn the page to page Ayin Gimel. And it's on page Ayin Gimel, the third paragraph on the right side of the, of the page. Yaakov Lonochah. So when Yaakov meets Yosef in Mitzrayim, an amazing thing happens. They meet each other. Yosef falls on his father's neck and he cries. And um, he kisses his father, excuse me. But it doesn't say that Yaakov did the same to Yosef. So it says as follows, Yaakov lo nafal otsavre Yosef. Yaakov did not fall onto the neck of Yosef, his son, velo nishako, and he didn't kiss him. Amru Chazal, the Chachamim said regarding this, shakora kriyashma. Yaakov Avinu was saying the Shema. So Yosef is busy greeting his father, you know, with a tremendous amount of emotion and passion, can imagine, after 22 years. And Yaakov is saying the Shema. So he, one second, okay. He hasn't seen his son in 22 years. He's been in a tremendous state of sadness, so much so that he hasn't had Nebuah, and nobody can comfort him. He finally sees his son, he's saying Kriyashma. So the Chidush Sharm says, what's happening here? Isa b'shem ha-maharal zambi Prague. It brings down from the Maharal. Key. Ka'asher nis'orer v'lev Yaakov avinu alav ha-shalom ahava v'simcha atzuma When Yaakov avinu had awakened in his heart an emotion of powerful love 
for powerful joy. When he would experience that in life, so you, I'm sure this was the most that one could possibly, or certainly close, enormous feelings of love and joy. What did he do with those feelings? Hichnis osa ha'ahava letoch avodas Hashem He took that enormous love and he brought it into his avodas Hashem. So he's seeing his son, and he's experiencing the love. He says, don't think that Yaakov Avinu didn't feel. He didn't, he, he was saying Shema, like, hi Yosef, nice to see you, but just a minute I have to say Kriya Shema. He says, no, he felt it in a very strong way. He felt a lot of love. He felt Simcha Atsuma, that means a powerful joy. But for Yaakov, it always had to be attached to Hashem Mispura. So those feelings that he experienced he took that tremendous emotion, which was very real, what he was feeling with Yosef, and he wanted to make sure it wasn't separated from God. And therefore he said, Shema Yisrael. I just want to get to Mark from because I had a comment before Mark. Yeah. Well, here's a question yeah. at that point. Would, I think it was Yosef, would one of them at least, um, I guess, for Yaakov to bench a Gomel, you know, there's a, there's a prayer that, you know, when you're coming out of a situation like that, or it's not the place because you're in Mitzvah. Would he have no, done that? No, he wouldn't bench Gomel because he wasn't emerging from danger or illness. Yeah. You know, that really is if a person's life is saved. Right. So this was very joyous, but it wasn't about saving his life. So okay. it wouldn't be Gomel. Okay. I think I was going to say it takes it back to the first model we just learned. Yeah, right. I was just doing that right. for everything, I thank God. Right. And uh, so I see my son and the emotion that's well enough here, I thank God. But when it says he said Kriya what is Kriya Shema since they didn't have to fill in, in the other mitzvahs that we go through when we say Kriya Shema? Was it just Shema Yisrael? It, it could have been Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkein, Hashem Echad. Most likely with Boros Shem, but most likely. It could have been that he said the whole thing. We don't know. Right. The Torah was not yet given in its formal sense, but the others knew the Torah. Right. They knew it in the Bria. Okay. So at least it was the first. Was it more than that or not? I don't know. I know it in myself I try to do that but it always comes first you first have the emotion of seeing somebody you're just very happy sure. then later you go thank God for right. Shalom, you know, right. Right. which I think for us is more appropriate because for people like us it would almost seem like we were looking past the individual right. you know like hold on a sec I got it you know it, it's, it could almost be distasteful because we're not on that madrega you know so we have to make sure to pay attention to the person I believe. And then in our avoda, then, whatever we experience there, that should make sure that we do attach that to Hashem Yisbara. With this in mind, I want to take some Something that was doing down the sanctuary when we're davening. Mm -hmm. One of my children comes in. Mm -hmm. It's me somewhere I read that I'm not supposed to kiss them or anything yeah. else like in that the shul, right? in the shul because right. this should be all channeled. It's love for God, right. not love for another person in a demonstrative way. You know? right. So like, like you were saying before, actually, but you are allowed to hug somebody because the halacha says not to kiss somebody. Okay. So you can show that, but specifically it says kiss. All right, so just specifically it's kiss, mm -hmm. you can hug. Mm -hmm. you have to wake up, there I are know? people who wouldn't because yeah. they would feel that it has a broader application. But the opinion that I follow is that it specifically means a kiss. All right, thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, Josh? It just seems to me, like you were saying, that, that for us uh, to, to 
to stop and say Kriyashma at such a point of uh, great joy would be to, to, to distance oneself from the immediate moment, from the, you know, from the other person that's expecting a reaction, um, a similar reaction. But uh, Yaakov is maybe was saying that that the the whole even the grief and the, the, the pain that he felt from the separation of what was it, 20, 22 years mm -hmm. was that too was part of you know was what, what Hashem had given and, and just as he had taken he had given him back he'd taken him away and that was all part of uh, of uh, that was inherent in the in the in the in the Shema, right. and one of the ideas in the Shema is that we say the Shem Hashem of Chesed together with the Shem Hashem of, of the right. Din, and then we say that's one. That's all one. That's all one. That's a very nice thought, Josh, because you're saying that Yaakov is really looking at the complete experience Hashem Elokein of Hashem Echad, oh, yeah. not just this moment of his is seeing Yaakov after all these years. That's a really very beautiful Rashava. And and, uh -huh. and ya Yosef uh -huh. couldn't feel the same way because uh -huh. even though he was separated from his father, it's not the same thing. It wasn't quite the same, right? And right. and besides mm -hmm. he was he also was probably had many times during that time when he was more concerned with his own self preservation than with worrying about his connection yeah. to Yaakov. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yes, very nice time. Can you use sadness to attain or, or to, you know, approach a Kaddish Barakal? Yeah, as long as it is what's called Atzvus de Kedusha and not Atzvus de Tumor, Atzvus de Sitra So there is a kind of sadness which is part of our Lotus Hashem. Yep, we have such a thing as the three weeks and the nine days in Tishaba. And there's a kind of sadness which brings a person down low, which really is a tool of the sitra achra. And one of the ways this is described in this form, this is brought down in the Tarat Sarkodish by Ravaran Ross, the He says that their place in the heart, the sadness of Kedusha and the sadness of Tuma, they're very close to each other in the heart. And therefore, it's often easy to confuse them. So that's his lashon. The way it's stated in Adas form, and I think the way Rabbi Prusky Zichonali Rafa put it in very practical terms, he used to say this, if you want to know whether your sadness is in Kedusha or not, what you have to do is see where it takes you. He says, if it took you to a greater relationship with Hashem, then it came from Kedusha. If it took you down into a bitter, despondent place and divorced you from God and Klai Yisrael, then you know it's coming from the wrong place. You have to see what it does to you. So in terms of, of, of um, Yaakov, since that 22 years you mentioned that he, he didn't have Nebuah. Nebuah. Right. right. And so that indicates a, a certain separation from a Baruch Then the sadness that he had was in this discussion of a sadness of tumor. No, I thought about that. You know? but I want you to know what I what I think about that. I don't think so. That, that same question mm -hmm. bothered me. And I saw something uh, very recently in the Ramban that it talks about 
Vayar Yaakov Kiyesh Shever B'Mitzrayim Yaakov saw that there was provision in Mitzrayim so they say that he had no I'm sorry this is Rashi excuse me then Asbaglaria de Kedusha that he didn't have Navu anymore but he still had a kind of holy vision probably something similar to Ruach HaKodesh and he saw that there was provision in Mitzrayim now what that really meant was Yosef but he didn't perceive Navua fully, so he didn't see it was Yosef. But he knew Alpi Aspaklarya de Kedusha, some holy vision, that something was there. So when I saw that, it led, it led me to think this. We're still talking about Yaakov Avinu. It can't be 22 years of Atzvah Tetuma. It just can't be because of the person we're, we're talking about. So because there was some sadness and a lot of sadness, even though it was, I think, the Kedusha, but the sadness itself became too much. It dominated his life, and therefore you couldn't have a bona fide nevuah. But he was still Yaakov Avinu. He could still have an Asbaglarya de Kedusha. And if he was in a state of Atzvist of Tuma, he would not be having an Asbaglarya de Kedusha. So I think it must be that it was reduced from nevuah to a lesser level because there was so much Atzvist, but it was still Atzvist de Kedusha. And just one more thought on that, that when it comes to Atzvus de Kedusha, even with that, a person has to move off of it eventually. It's only a step. Also Rabbi Twisky, Zuchonli used to say that remorse and regret is a step. You see it did something wrong, you regret it. It's in order to move us off of that place and get us to a better place. If we hang on to it, then we're not using it to its full, we're actually misusing it. So maybe there with Yaakov, it was just too much. It was too long. It was 22 years of sadness. That's another possibility. So that would fit the, with the psychologist to say, oh, don't bring up anybody's past a bit. And then the Torah reminds us too, don't bring it up. Because you have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they've moved, moved away. away. They've moved away. Moved and if you away. bring it back, you're just making them go back right. to it. Right. It could be, I don't know, it just, mm-hmm. could be the idea of his saying Shema at this point was uh, his ability to finally be able to be thankful or cut to Kaddish Baruch Hu for the last 20 years. In a complete way. In a right, complete right, right. way and, and see it as you know it's another everything that comes from Kaddish Baruch Hu's right. dope. Right. And have finally been able to see the tov. After all, the now he understands why. Right. Right. It's a little similar to what Josh yeah, was right, saying so in that, right. that comment. It's right. just a complete overall experience. And Taka, when it says that ruach Yaakov avihim in this week's parsha, that Yaakov's spirit lived once he found out Yosef was alive and once he was able to believe it, so the Turgamunkla says ruach nevuah that he, once again, was restored to a complete level of the Buddha. It seems we have the same experience. thing happening with Yitzchak, in a sense. How so? Both Yitzchak and Yaakov spent a, a considerable period of time somehow blind, somehow unable to see. Doesn't, I don't think that happens. Different blindness. With, yeah, right. I, I don't think it happens right. with Abraham. No, I don't no, remember that with Abraham. It's both, right. both of them have a period of time in which the events are unraveling, that and they can't see. They can't see. Right. 
Like it's uh, like with the Brachos, with the Brachos, right? Yeah, you can't see who's the who really should be following, who 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 will be the the progenitor of the rest of the Jewish people, and 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 Yaakov somehow also can't see how the Jewish people with this where they the survival no Jewish people depends, right? You know that it's still there. You know, why? Why do you think that is? Why? Why do the Avos have this experience? Well, I well the two know. of the Avos. I mean, <laughs> does anybody right, discuss that? That's a good I mean, question. I don't know. It's a very good question and a very good insight. You have to keep that in mind. I've never seen anything on that. No good. It's a nice point. Let me yeah. see if I could get a clarification here. <laughs> we know that. Uh, Yitzhak was uh, physically blind, but Yaakov was blind at some point, physically no, blind? No, he's just saying that, no, that he didn't know, that. not being okay. able to see where Yosef was. Oh, that's a different, a different okay. kind of blindness, right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Okay. Let's go on to the next one. On same page, Ayn Gimel, left column, very last paragraph. So I'm going to tell you a story about this, which is a great story that this reminder reminded me of. So Yosef tells his brothers, you know, that we're, we need to go to this land of Goshen to be separate from the Egyptians, so all you got to do is tell Paro that, you know, you're shepherds of sheep, because they can't stand people who are shepherds of sheep, and then we're going to get this land, you know, which is very, very rich land, and we can live, and we'll also have our own, you know, life separated from the Egyptian culture. Because the Egyptians despise anybody who is a shepherd of sheep. Sheep was their god. There are people, he said, who want to protrude. They want to protrude in what they do and to find favor so they will be very important in the eyes of the nations. They want to be chashuv in the eyes of the American government, you know, President Bush and the senators. There may be reasons for doing that, you know, and some of them are very fine people, but that's not what he's talking about. So people are motivated, right, to succeed and do well in the outside culture as a goal in itself. You can succeed and do well in the outside culture and be a fine Jew, as we all know. But he says, lihis balet, you're trying to make something special out of it in and of itself. It's a very stand interesting route to stand out and be honored by the nation. Right, for that reason, to be honored, eight umos. Avo, but Yosef Hatzadik, mida acheres hoisaba. But Yosef Hatzadik, he had a different way about him. Ve'im yada, and if he knew. Shatoavas Mitzrayim who rowed sound, that it was disgusting in the eyes of Egypt to be shepherds of sheep. Halach, the Siper Leparo, he went and he told Paro, Sheachav Hinam rowed You know what? My brothers are shepherds. So instead of saying, you know, my brothers are very wise people and they're philosophers and they have great jobs and they're unbelievable and they do a lot of research at Johns Hopkins and you're really going to want these people, he said to them the thing which they hated the most. Because Yosef was not interested for in finding favor in the eyes of Paro for its own sake. Which is so interesting because look who Yosef was. He looked like an Egyptian, he was a ruler of Egypt, and the Egyptians admired him and respect him. Maybe you could start to think, hey, Yosef was really getting something out of that, you know. No way. 
his purposes in doing it were for the sake of Kla Yisrael. But when it came to talking about his brothers, he was not going to use that as a way to advance them in society. So they're shepherds. And Parah probably went like, ugh, you know. Now this is a story I want to tell you. Um, I heard, I, I saw this story on, there is a documentary that you may have seen it, uh, may have seen it. it was about Hasidus um, in America. Um, I forgot what it was called. It had a lot of interesting uh, parts to it. People of Park? I think so. I think that was it. People of Park. It ended up with the Bubber and the... The, the Bubber was in it, and the, the previous Munkai Cherebi was in it, an old film of him when he came to America in the early part of the 1900s. Mm-hmm. And um, very interesting film clips from it. Um, so they were interviewed... A lot of it was about the Sadm Rebbe, the Bracha. So... They were interviewing this butcher, no, excuse me, he, he was a, a fish store owner in Williamsburg, and he was a, a big Satmir said, you know, like a big guy, he talked with an accent, and, and uh, you know, an earthy kind of chassid, very jolly, very sharp. So they asked him to tell him, them a story about the Satmir Rebbe. So he said, I'm going to tell you a story. He goes, when the Rebbe first came to America, he came and he had a beard and he had a long coat. And you know, in that time in America, nobody could stand anybody who would look like that. So they came over to the Rebbe and they said to him, Rebbe, you're going to ruin this country. So the Rebbe said, I haven't ruined it yet, but I will. <laughs> so that's this, right? He wasn't clean-shaven, he didn't have a nice suit, he wasn't all professional, he was a, a European-looking Hasidic Jew, and in the early part of the century, in the mid-century, that was, you didn't, you didn't dress like that in America. It was distasteful, people didn't like that, it was too overt, that's, that's this mimer. You know what, my brothers, they're shepherds, right? So what is it about being a shepherd that they don't lie? I mean, let's say... Because it was their God. So what's the big deal? So now you're close to God. I mean, no, no. For, 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 it was like I a mean, disgrace that you would treat a God like that. But you had to leave it alone. Like in India with the cows. They just let them wander around. Oh, right. Well, why would they permit shepherding, period? Well, I, I suppose, for Parnassa. <laughs> well, come let the Jews do that, you know. Let the Hebrews come and do it. Apparently they did it, you know. I would assume that they, whatever they did, they got so from other like cultures. The garbage man. Other than, yeah, yeah. Uh, someone's got it to do it. It has to be done, but nobody right. wants to do it. Right. Wait till they don't do it. Because oh, they're, they're willing right. to put this God on a pedestal, but they don't want to actually get their, get their hands into it. Right. You know, <laughs> you know and it's interesting. It's like, uh, uh, the, the, the Mitzrim could look at Yosef and say, well, you know, he's a fine fellow in spite of his brothers being heroic. Right, right. <laughs> I found interesting that dialogue, because I was looking at something last night. Yeah. Rabbi, Rabbi Abraham Torsky brings it down. He says, here, the, he did say, he told his brothers what to say. Mm-hmm. And then in the Washington, the Torah, they, the Dafka went and almost went contrary to everything Yosef told him to say. Go tell Paro this. Mm-hmm. Don't say this. Mm-hmm. And yet they, they seem like the brothers went in and said just a little differently. A little differently. Okay. They twist a little bit differently. Okay. And and then of course Paro ignored them all together and talked only to Yosef. Okay. So I think it goes what you said. It was he looked down on Shepherd so much he wasn't going to deal with what right. they had to say. Right. But in essence, the brothers didn't do what Yosef asked. Right. And he said it was because they were looking at this in two different ways. 
Yosef was looking at it in a way, we're going, this is the gullus, this is the beginning, and this is like almost permanent, you're going to be here for a while. And the brothers were not accepting that they were going to be permanent. They really wanted to be only temporary and, and get out of there. But Yosef knew differently. But I had to, I looked at it, it's just, just a sight. So he was saying that they, they, they switched because they felt that by switching, that what would happen? What they're, by their washing, they were not accepting. Instead of saying, we want to dwell here, they were saying, we're so gentle, we'll be there for a while, we're temporary. They really wanted to keep saying, we are only here temporary. Uh -huh. okay. and, and, and they were trying to avoid it. And Yosef was talking more on a permanent, settle yes, in the land, right. take the land. Which they would be resisting. Yeah, yeah. they were resisting heavily. Very good. Okay. Now also, I think what that mimer really brings out is just, you know, a person, there's an emphasis on that, on exceeding and succeeding in the culture. Yeah. And it really depends on where a person's coming from and what their kavanas are. Yosef, so to speak, was a big success in the Egyptian culture. But he knew what he was doing and he knew why he was doing it. And apparently, from this Hidusha, and he never lost sight, lost sight of that. It's kind of like the German Jews who were here um, were very uncomfortable when the Polish Jews came to America. They looked like Jews, you know, like they looked like European state-told Jews. And the, the German Jews who were here already, they had already acculturated more, they were more part of society. And they had a hard time, you know, with uh, the people who came who really looked like Eastern European state-told Jews. Which is what they were. Which is exactly what they were. So you took, it takes someone like the Sabarevi to buck the culture and say, you know, this is who we are. And we're we're just fine, and you know this is this is how this is how it's going to be. Just so now it's like 50, 60, 70 years later, you almost don't think about it. But to to make that breakthrough and do that, that was very difficult. Yeah. Just just an example here in Baltimore, there have been two Jewish country clubs. One was the first one, but then when the Ashkenazi Jews or the non-German Jews came, the German Jews didn't want them in their country club, right. so they started their own country club. <laughs> Now you can't tell them the difference. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. Well, what I really like in this area is it's called the Yerushalayim of America, a little Baltimore. Right. Where I can go up and, uh, <laughs> what? He said that only, there's only one Yerushalayim. No, I, I, I know that. Don't bring down anything. <laughs> no, that's okay. in Germany, during Berlin. Okay, I was just thinking it's good you see the strimals and everything, you know, the hat. The coming to and from, because yeah. it reminds me. Yeah. And we yearn to go to the real Yerushalayim, you know, later on, you please, the so. Game here the main I think we have time for one more. We'll take a look at the last one. Uh, very interesting insight. Next page, the very last mimer in Parshish by Yigash. Machlokas Sho Yosef The difference of opinion between Yosef and his brothers. Hoysa, it was. Ki Yosef bochar lo sadik nivchar. Yosef chose a path of being a special tzadik. Sha'ayidei kedushaso. That through his holiness, yimshoch kol b'nei adam l'Hashem isborach. He would be able to bring other people to Avodas Hashem as well. He wanted to be able to accomplish that, to affect other people, to be mashbiya. The hashvatim, but the other shvatim, bocharu lohem, they chose the path, 
that each person stands according to their own avoda. You can't take another person and pull him along. He's got to come along by himself. And whatever you do, you have to make make it by yourself. So Yosef, no. no. Reach out to people, bring them along. They're saying, no, let everybody do their own avoda. You can't rely on another person. I said the interesting thing at the end. Ubashamayim in heaven wrote some kibichiras Yosef. They go along with Yosef's choice up in Shemayim. Rakla Yisrael, but down here the Jewish people chafetzim bivichiras hashvat and they go along with the shvatim. Down here in this world, people say, you know, you got to make it on your own. You know, you got to make it on. You got to make your own Yiddishkeit. You know, and in Shemayim they say. But some, they, they want a person to make it on their own, so to speak, which has some merit. A person has to make their own choices, but not to the point where it's going to distance somebody from other people and take them away from being mashpia to their fellow Jews. Are they talking about specifically just Jews, or is he talking about the, the role? He's talking about you. Not about the role that we have to play to bring the rest no. of the world also closer. Well, I don't think so. I think he's talking about Jewish people here. Yeah. Do you really think in this time we have that? Because more than I hear is more organizations trying to bring other Yidden in closer. Well, you know, Kiruv, quote-unquote, has gained a lot of focus in the last uh, 30 years. was not like that. Not like that before that. Yeah, Kiruv is a fairly recent part of Jewish uh, Jewish society. So based on this, we're doing more in the realm of Yosef. I think so. Good. I good. think so. But still, you know, walk into, walk into most shuls, and, you know, people don't really have to say, how but, are you? But they they you may not from, extend blah, blah, themselves, blah, blah, blah. right? People right. don't really extend themselves. And, and I think that's more or less, you know, in some senses, the sense the, uh, the Shabbat team attitude is according to this mimer. It's like, okay, hi, nice to see you. So I'm going to go do my, my, my own, and you own. go do yours. Now you're on your own. Right. Where if you work, you walk into this Ferris Israel, usually, it's like, hi, how you doing? Come on, have a seat. Where you been? Where you doing for lunch? That's too different. Now, it's important yeah. to understand this side. So let's say that you have a long-standing mentality, right? that shul is a place to daven. And that's how you grew up, and that's how your father grew up, that's how his father, that is shul. Someone, you can say good job, someone comes in, say good job, it's okay, but now it's time to daven. And now there's something to that, you know, there's merit to that. Shul is not a social event. It has a social aspect to it, but it's not what it's about. So I think some of the resistance to that, about being a warm shul, a vibrant shul, is that there's a mentality that then we're losing our focus on serving God because I'm too involved with thinking about another person. Now, I think that's where a lot of people are coming from. Uh, as I see it, though, then, what happens as a result is that you miss an opportunity because sometimes a person comes into shul. That is their opportunity to draw close. And in our times, and in the way people are now, in order to bring people close to Hashem, you have to be warm to them and say, hi, how are you? And not only that, but it brings us closer to Hashem. 
when someone comes in and you make them feel comfortable in a shul, it's not, well, I just have to do this, you know, for him. But we have to do this for us. This is part of our own avoda to make another Jew feel comfortable because we live in those times where there may be one opportunity, one opportunity only. And if you can touch somebody, because the only place they're going to be touched is if they happen to come into a shul or wherever you meet them in life, I think it's a, I think it's a responsibility. And you have to step away from that focus of what was, this is only for davening. Keep, keep that focus that that's true, but extend ourselves to our fellow Jews at the same time. Well, I, I think I, I heard on the a talk given by Rabbi Friend, and he was talking about a particular individual, I think, in the agreement. He asked him, how, how are you so successful? You know, the individual said it, and you go, well, maybe this is a direct I should strive for. I can't do it. He says he so focuses when he walks into the shul that that's all there is. He's not even aware, other than the listening he does for the man leading the dominant, he's not aware that's of what it's about. And that's his thing. I can't do that. You mean, you mean, well, he's just totally focused on his relationship to God. That's it. That's all there is. And anything on the side, he deals with outside, whenever he gets right. outside. Right. But no, like no, no, it's not for the show. It's not in, for the show. In his mind, right? But, it's but, for outside the show. But I like the perspective that you give in this show, that you and the Revitson have brought into the show. It's not a place to do little um, banter about football and the game is coming up right. at the end of the week right. or something right. like that. Right. But there's nothing wrong with saying, I am so-and-so, you know, is there anything, you know, if you need anything, just let me know, help him through the dialogue, whatever. So it, it affects you a little bit. So you're off track a little bit because you're dealing with someone who says, what page are we on now? What are we doing? But I like that. I like that. I like that aspect better. I understand this guy, and that's what's good for him. Right. And it is important to understand where it's coming from. Right. Oh, I do. It's there, there's something there, which is, I think, the kafskus is okay. But it, it, it's too rigid. And a person and a, a people has to be flexible to see what, what's going to work now. In, in our time and for our people. Also, maybe like the aspect, you must have, maybe you have to have a few of those in the shul. The top, they're Keep doing your the mind on that. They're right. doing the business, and everybody else is kind of working around, working right. the floor as we right. say. Right. You know, everybody, everybody's got their different, on the other hand, everybody does have a different emotive. Right. right. All right? That's right. And on the other hand, everybody does have a different strength and a different aspect. You know, some people are able to greet people it's what they, they want to do. Other people, they'd rather be, you know, doing something else, but they'll greet them later. I mean, but, you know, at least you have a mix, and at least you have a, a kind of a, an ambiance, so to speak, a gestalt of, of being aware of a new face, and whatever, however it is that you approach a new face, that you make it a point to do it. You know, not everybody's going to do it the same. I think it's also part of Christianos and having the couple of Kola the Sefer Pony Miyako said, you have to greet another person with a friendly countenance. And I don't think that that applies only outside of the initial. Like, there's something about that. There's that basic pleasantness between human beings that's critical to Jewish life. That's the foundation of Midas. 